What's up? It's your girl K Wonder, and you are tuned into the Drop Night Show right here on Water Ice Radio. Okay, listen to that boy on radio, you get the bottom eyes. Right. If I didn't drop night, show apologize. Right. K Wonder, Sean Beasley on the rise. Woo. Thursday, 8 p.m. when it's time to ride. Woo. No Spotify, Woo. I will never compromise. No. Get the tune in app, that's the power line. Uh. Uh. What a ice radio, the bottom line. line. Tune in, stick to it like an alibi. K Wonder, good money, that's the dollar sign. Woo. Sean Beasley, get the word, then it's finalized. Woo. If it's all about a name, name. what else can name. I say? Name. Find out what's popping when you drop it by. Yeah, you gotta go and see the club. It's the, when you gotta go for the low, what's the What's your favorite radio show? What's the What's your favorite radio show? What's the Yeah, and we back. That was Ape Shit by the Carters on the Drop Night Show. Let's make some noise because we got the cast of Outpour in the building. <laughs> what up, Outpour? What's up? What's, what's up? up? What's up? <laughs> so from my left to your right. Introduce yourself and what do you do on Outpour? My name is Brahim. You can catch me on Instagram and at Brahim. I am the comedy of Outpour, the entertainment. Um, you can catch me on Instagram. You can catch me downtown. You can catch me shopping anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Yes. I am Rob, a.k.a. Black Jesus, the Lord and Savior. Um, what do I do on the show? I'm not going to give you a professional title. That's none of your business. But um, <laughs> I am the director. I am the special correspondent. I am the editor. I'm the photographer. I'm also one of the producers. Um, wow, you got a lot of jobs. Yes. Okay. I'm Jamaican on set. Okay. Daughter. Yes. <laughs> Hello, hello, hello. My name is Tony Purnell. I am the light worker on the set of Outpour. <laughs> I'm the light worker. I am the lightsaver. I'm a motivational speaker, life coach, and psychotherapist. Wow. Everything light. Yes. And I am Antar Bush. I am the executive producer, director, writer, um, and host. Um, I am like feel like Spike Lee or Tyler Perry. <laughs> All right, come on. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, but also professionally, I am a public health advocate, mm-hmm. uh, social work. Um, also, I am a professor, writer. I do a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So tell me, how did Outpour come together? And once it, it, once you figured it out, how did you bring all of y'all together? Well, Outpour was a, a, a birth child of three individuals. It was me... Robert and Chris, mm-hmm. one of our our, uh, our uh, head editor, uh, who's not here, um, we all, you know, we had this idea to like have something for LGBT folks of color, and by LGBT folks of color. So not just writ- it was written, produced, and you know, in front of the camera and behind the camera. Okay. Um, and that was really, really important to me just to have a platform because I was watching CNN and they would do like issues on uh, queer folks of color and they would ask white folks or they would ask other straight black folks and I just thought, uh, that's not going to work. So you know, having our own platform where we could describe our own ideas, provoke thought, and, you know. 
Now, I want to piggyback off of what you said. When you see these people commenting on your lifestyle, what is they not telling the true story about? Well, first of all, being gay is not a lifestyle. Okay. (laughs) It is my life. um, Uh And that is really, really important that people understand that. Um, Being gay... Oh, oh, really? Oh you forgot about the silent button. Oh my goodness. Really? Oh my god. That's what happens on the drop night show? I am so on professionalism? Sorry. I'm, sorry, I'm really very professional. Um, but no. Um, it is our life. You know, we don't look at it as lifestyle. Lifestyle is uh being an alcoholic or uh, you know, playing in the NFL. That's a lifestyle. Mm. But I live and breathe every day being a black gay man in in Trump's administration. So, and I'm reminded of that every day. Um, and so when we tackle these topics, when we tackle all of this, we tackle all the social justice issues and political issues of our time. Mm. Yeah. So what made y'all, y'all can answer it how y'all want. What made y'all want to get on this show that they created? Well, let's go first. First of all, Antar is one of my best friends. It's mm-hmm. like my big brother. I wanted to support him, but also I wasn't really looking to be on the show. I was just having fun. I didn't mm-hmm. know he was going to pick me. I didn't really think I had a really jump out personality, but when he picked me, it made me feel good about myself. So basically, this is my coming out party. I'm not really that openly gay in public, but if it's for a better cause, then I just swallow my pride. Wow. <laughs> that's that's big. Like, I'm right, serious, right. though. I did. I mean, that's I'm, big. So why did you come on the show? So for me, um, I felt like I wanted to kind of participate. I wanted to participate on the show, kind of just to to be a voice on the platform. So mm. I thought by me joining, I would be able to represent myself first and foremost, but to also be able to provide my insight based off of my own life experiences and um, the experiences that I've gone through. So that was kind of like the thing that was like, okay, you know, let me get into this and see how it is. So yeah. I think it's good that you're on the on the show because you're transgender, right? So you're putting me out? No. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's, let's talk about it. Let's no, talk about it. So let's talk about it. I think it. that disclosure isn't really important. Uh-huh. I think that people who are trans should be able to disclose for themselves. Right. So I think at any time, no matter if, say, for example, if you know we've talked about it in private, I think that that's one thing. Mm-hmm. Especially on the show like this. So I think that... By having Alcor, it's a perfect um, opportunity for us to be able to teach people things mm-hmm. and for us to have teaching moments like this. But I absolutely believe that even if I'm out at work or even if I'm out to family or even if I'm out to certain people, mm-hmm. I get to come out when I want to, as I want to, and as I see fit. And it's never anyone's job to put me out or that's to right. like out me. So I think, do think that that's very important. And not only that, but I think that's one of the reasons why I also um, kind of w- wanted mm-hmm. to do Alcor is so that I can... Um, put a voice to my experience. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's really important. Yeah. That's good. That's yeah. good. Mm-hmm. Robert, why did you decide to Big get on Alcor? So I've known Antar ever since I was a little girl in the backwoods of Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so Antar presented the idea to me because I hold this shit. Yeah. Yeah. I was at work when he called me presented the idea to me about. Um, doing the show and mm-hmm. I was very reluctant to do things with people um, on a creative level because I'm very protective of my space as an artist so when Antar was in the idea I was just like okay girl let's see where this go let's just okay. see how serious you are and then it would actually turn out to be really really serious and Antar was a pain in my ass um, but we get the job done collectively 
um, we have this really weird symbiotic relationship where he knows what I want and I know what he wants. And we may argue about it, but at the end of the day, it's still, we get the product made. So it's just knowing that somebody's going to really protect you as an artist and make you put out the best work possible. Mm -hmm. And it's not just to benefit you, it's to benefit the entire team that creates the show outboard. That's, That's good. I have to say. Well, for me, um, <clears throat> I've always been a very bubbly person, uh, a lot of energy. Mm. Uh, so for me, coming from a clinical perspective, um, a lot of the um, topics that we talk about, I am coming from a, a clinical perspective. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's more of an educational thing, um, knowledge. Uh, my goal was always to help people. My goal was always to be a healer in some sort. So I'm like, oh, well, this seems like a, a platform that I can be able to do that. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like I have a little bit of light, and I think everybody that I come in contact with will be able to have light as well. Mm -hmm. That's why I wanted to join the show. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. So where is Outpour going to be seen at? So Outpour uh, has a couple of places it's going to be seen, but the first place it's going to be seen is... August 24th. Okay. <laughs> um, via YouTube. Yep, yep. Um, it, will, it will premiere the first episode. Um, also via through PGN and the Advocate Magazine. Okay. So, was you, was anyone like real, did you say, hmm, let's not go with Brahim? Was there a definite? <laughs> oh, yes. No, was it definite like, no, we want this person. We yeah. don't want this person. Oh, yeah. It was a lot of that. I think, I mean, whenever you're trying to put um, a team together, you know, we saw what happened with In Vogue when you put the wrong team together. <laughs> so, you know what? Um, we, we definitely wanted to make sure that we put the right team together. Mm -hmm. So it was a combination of both, of making sure the person had the right personality. But really, it was dealing with me. If a person could deal with me, then I knew that they were going to be fine. Well, I think because people want to hear was, from you. Why uh, did you? The people want to hear from you. Why did you choose each one of us individually? Oh, well, I chose. Oh, well, that's that was that's easy. A, that's a that's, that's a question. good question. That's well, a no, I do. Question. I have a good, I, and, and there is a good answer for all of that. So I did. I choose Brahim only because he didn't take. He was very like he was very vulnerable. He didn't mm -hmm. take um, things so seriously because, as you notice, all four of us we are very very serious. Mm -hmm. So that was one of the we needed some some lightheartedness. We, okay. we definitely needed that, and we needed that balance. Um, Aaron offered um, a different experience. Aaron offered also. Aaron uh, taught me so much. Um, and I've always liked her um, mm -hmm. just as a person professionally. So I was like, oh, my goodness. And I didn't initially I didn't think of her. I didn't think of her. And I was like, who am I going to get? And one day I was in a class and I was like, you know, Aaron, um, Robert, I've worked with him for so long. So that was just, you know, I knew he was going to be a part of it. But Tony is again, Tony is he's very he's a has a big personality. He's unapologetically <laughs> so you I knew that I wanted to work with him. I just didn't know what capacity I wanted to work with him. Um, and all the other hosts are very similar. Mm. Um, they bring something to the space. Mm. Um, but finding that right balance was really just finding someone who could deal with me because I am a perfectionist. A tyrant. Yes. I am a random priestling. Why is no one ready? I don't <laughs> like I'm really right. on that. So <laughs> So you're the real boss? Not the real boss. No, they're all bosses. Okay. Let me just put it like that. Like we I don't I am the more of the organizer, mm -hmm. but in no way am I like 
like I'm with the leader, but not the boss. Okay. They are like I feel like everyone has had a point where they have led this group at one point. Especially Chris, who's not here right now. Okay. So while pitching, have you started pitching your show yet? Oh yes. So, what's the the backlash? Are you experiencing some of it because of the nature of the the show? No, I don't think so. Has anybody have any of you? No, I I have not heard any backlash, particularly from the LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. They're actually all really excited for it. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone was like, "Oh my god! Like, I can't wait to see like what you guys do. This seems like really dope. It seems because it looks, you know, you have." social media entertainers like mm-hmm. your comedians on Instagram and you have the ones who have done a YouTube shows before but I think it's the caliber that we presented Outpour that makes it a lot more it looks like a legit Just, real yeah. show like we have three cameras set up we have because it is lighting. a legit real show <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean like you know it looks like it's done by an actual Production. Production who's had years and years of experience I mean yeah. and granted individually we all do have years of experience in what mm-hmm. we do but I think the way we present the outpour and the way we produce content and trailers and promos, mm-hmm. it's like these motherfuckers are serious. Yeah, and this is real. Antar sent me a promo video. I was like, "This is a little pixelated." Oh, the lies you tell. No, Listen, no, it was. I sent the yeah. Oh, okay. I said, "Oh, so you want me to put this out?" Well, no. I didn't know that I sent you the wrong one. I am not the tech. Yes, I'm not the technology person. That's Robert um, and Chris. Um, yeah, but we we haven't I haven't experienced it. Well, first of all, I don't hang out in those type of circles that don't affirm me anyway. Um, so I don't know what straight folks think because it wasn't written for them. So okay. I don't care. Um, just like when white folks or black folks write things, you know. I, so you can't write um, a story about slavery and then ask white folks what they think about it. Yeah, you see what I'm saying. Yeah. So I did not. Write this wondering what straight folks would think about it because I don't care. Okay. <laughs> now, if the gay folks got a problem with it, then we got the issue. But straight folks, I don't care. Do you feel like this is a time where it's like, yo, we need to get a show because there's so much of this being shown now in our communities? I think I think that um, the people wanted this show. I think that yeah, you know, the I people. To, yeah, the people. As I talk to so many different people, people are like super excited. They're like, "Oh my goodness, there, there hasn't been a show like this before!" Mm. Like, and they're really excited and looking forward to kind of like what we're going to be bringing and stuff like that. So I think that you know, it seems like there's a demand and people actually want this type of content that we're going to be bringing to the table. So I think you know, if people are asking for it and saying like, "Hey, like you know, this is something that we will watch. This mm-hmm. seems super entertaining. Seems like it's going to be a, a really good show." Then you know. It's like, okay, then we have to continue to do it and, right. um, you know, get the people what they want. And I think they're going to get what they want. Yeah, yeah. I just think people, you know, they're hungry. We, you know, I think LGBT folks and queer folks of color are very hungry for content that reflects them, mm-hmm. that looks like them. And, you know, when you don't have that, you know, you take anything. You know, people will drink dirty water if they're thirsty, but if you present them with clean water, they'll drink. They'll choose that. I think a lot of the LGBT um, stuff that 
is out now is usually very heightened. Like in the sense, hold of, that thought because we're going um, we're going to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Yo, but right now we're going to get into my artist Tokyo Rose. We just dropped her new single called "I Like This," and you're going to hear it first on the Drop Night Show on What a Ice Radio. Let's go. All right, so we back. That was my artist Tokyo Rose. Her new single called "I Like This." Make sure y'all go download it and check her out. The video will coming soon. So let's get back into a statement that you was talking about, Antar. Mm-hmm. So do you do y'all think that the community is being shown in a good light on national TV? Yeah, I think so. Depending on what you consider good, though. So I think a lot of the um, like I love Pose. I think Pose is a great example of something that's being shown. Um, because we're all three-dimensional. You're going to have antagonists. You're going to have protagonists. You're going to have, like, a little of everything. Mm-hmm. So um, I do think that's important to show that we're three-dimensional. You've got some good gay people. you got bad gay people. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> it's just that's how it is. Um, but, you know, when you show the – we're not all, you know, men on film. Hated it. Right. No, that's not, you know. Right. It, it, we're not all that. I mean, some of us are. I am, but, you know. Right. You know, not everybody is. <laughs> and yeah. I think that's important to know. So, yeah. Now, what's your thoughts on it all? Can you repeat the question? Now, I'm going to cater this to you. Okay. Because now we see more of transgenders okay. on TV now. Okay. Do you feel like they're being shown in a good presentation of who y'all are? Mm-hmm. So I think that's a good question, and I do think that, you know, here recently there have been more um, portrayals of trans people in the mm-hmm. media. Not only have there been more portrayals, but there have been more positive representations. Mm-hmm. So I do think, like Antar mentioned, Pose, I think, is a great example of a positive representation of trans mm-hmm. people. And not because the story is so positive, but because the stories are so multifaceted and it's mm-hmm. so reflective of our true lives. Mm-hmm. The experiences, it's not just the ball scene, but it's so much so, so much more to it, and it's all the other things that kind of play into right. it. Mm-hmm. So I think that um, having shows like that and, and, and not only just that show or just that specific subculture, but there are so many more cultures and so many more um, communities like that mm-hmm. within the LGBT community right. that we can celebrate and that we can show. So mm-hmm. I think that, you know, we're just beginning to scratch the surface of what our community can um, display and show. Mm-hmm. That's dope. Absolutely. Yeah. That is and dope. You can actually see that on the show. We have an entire segment. So, uh, focused around LGBTQ people in the media. Okay. So that's definitely something that we talk about on the show. Mm-hmm. So we get deeper into it. You get to see everybody's individual views on what it's like to see a representation, how we want to see that going forward. So was it tough when y'all decided to come out to family or friends or? <laughs> well, I haven't. Nice story. Speaking on my, my, my point of view, I haven't really came out out to my mom knew I was I'm gay but my mom you know situation with that but my family don't know how gay I am on this show I'm just <laughs> really pretty much saying saying I don't <laughs> basically yeah like I'm the the bearded good hair nigga no. in the street no. but on this show I turn into Shanene so <laughs> <laughs> but really um 
I don't know how they're going to take it. Like, I'm, I'm my own man now, and I'm taking care of myself. I have nobody to just answer to, so I just didn't give a fuck. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. I think for me, I never... <laughs> I never had a moment where I had to come out the closet. <laughs> I mean, I think I've, I was always a person who used to play with the girls and think of the boys type of thing. Um, <clears throat> but my, my, my family, I don't think they were necessarily um, fully supportive. They, they tolerated it. They didn't accept it. They tolerated it. And that's the difference with my story. Everybody knows I'm going to be this big personality. I am going to be what I am. I'm going to be who I am. So when you have that... How can you really deny your, your child, your family member? At this point, you got to tolerate it. Because right. I'm not going to change. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have a coming out moment. <clears throat> yeah. What was your coming out moment, Antoine? Oh, honey. Mm-hmm. Honey, I came I out did in not 90. know. <laughs> I came out in 94. So it was it was a bit, very different time. You know, Magic Johnson had two years before had just said he uh, was positive in 92. I think I was in the eighth grade or something i was i was very young when i came out of the closet but so it was a different time mm-hmm. and it was not looked at you know fondly so mm-hmm. but i was i was blessed to have other supports so i'm grateful for my coming out experience i'm so glad i came out at a young age i wish more kids came out younger and not older because the older you come out i just want to let everybody know this the older you you know i know it's somebody in the closet right now listening to this the longer you wait to come out the worse it becomes wow why is that because being gay in itself is an experience it's like being born again like you know how do you say like in the church you've been made over that's how it is so yes so when you come out of the closet you've been made over again so like you have to relearn who you are that's right you know because you didn't you have now because you've been brainwashed for the best you know for me it was 14 years i had to change all of that and then reintroduce myself to so if you imagine if you a man coming out or a woman coming out at 30 40 years old that's a lot of work to undo. And then mm-hmm. I go, you didn't got to go through what I call gay puberty for like five or 10 years. You figure out what you want. Yeah, you don't even know if you're a top or a bottom or whatever. But it's not really you know? talked about. Like in my family, mm-hmm. I would say 30% of my family is gay, but I'm still not going to sit there and dance around at the Thanksgiving table. My grandpa's gay. My, I have three. <laughs> my, 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 my grandpa My grandpa is 86 He's, he's gay He's okay. 86 I have three gay uncles I have gay cousins that are DL Some aren't So I was accepted For me For them They knew But I didn't talk about it So they didn't care But But now is, they know When they watch the show They will yeah Oh, please. It was interesting for me because for so long, I never felt the need to come out. Uh-huh. So growing up, of course, in my own head, I always knew who I was. And once I got the realization of kind of like, oh, this is who I am, I started to get friends and people who I was kind of um, similar to and that mm-hmm. I had similar experiences with. But for so long, for the longest, I never felt the need to come out. I always wondered, like, straight people don't come out and they don't have this whole cool. realization of, right. oh, I have to tell people that I'm straight. So I never felt the need to have to tell people. Right. It wasn't until I was 19 years old and I had a life experience that kind of like really, really changed me and I felt like I could have been dead. And at that point, I felt like I would not have wanted to leave this earth without, for some reason, I just yeah. felt like I needed to come out of my to mouth. To be yourself. My mom. Not, mm-hmm. not even really about being myself, but I just felt like I needed to verbalize mm-hmm. and I just felt the need to say like, oh, I am gay to my mom and my dad. But it wasn't even until I was um, after into my early 20s that I kind of was on the realization that I'm actually trans. 
and it was just kind of like a part of my journey to kind of evolving and becoming me right um type of thing but yeah it was a life experience that kind of like prompted me to even feel the need to come out and to realize the importance that no actually representation is super super important so if you're not present and physically out and being able to represent and say no this is who i am living in my truth that's who i am and take me take it or leave it Mm -hmm. then you know you're really not out and you're doing a disservice to the community Strong. Yeah, Robert. Yo, we have my story. So, my coming out story is like Tyson and Holyfield. Oh, that's rough. Um, Everybody. Everybody. This is my hormone alone. That's alone. Oh, okay. So, baby, it's real. Okay. Okay. But, um, <laughs> my, uh, my mother is 50 years older than I am. Okay. So, she has very traditional Southern views. She's from Hartsville, South Carolina. And, um, my mom, I think my mom was really confused about my sexuality because I always had a girlfriend. And when I didn't have a girlfriend, she never knew about the boyfriends I had or the guys I was messing with. But I always, I also dated trans women growing up. Okay. So um, she just always saw me with a girl. So um, when I was 16, I decided to tell her that, you know, this is who I am. Like, I like men. And the boxing gloves came out. And she was just like, what you mean? <laughs> and we had this really heated argument that lasted for, like, hours. And we were, like, standing. Like, we never sat down. We sat in the living room and just argued for hours on end. And I said, you know, I said, believe it or not, it started right here in your own house. And, she, you know, dad, dad was like, did nigga, she, I'm going to punch you in your did throat. Did she up, uppercut you? Um, <laughs> no, she, my mom, I never got beat as growing up. My mom never beat me. My dad never beat See, me. that's the problem. Oh, honey, I'm a <laughs> well-respectable you- young man. <laughs> My mother that's never, why never you're had such to, a rebel now. Oh, a rebel soul. And that's I was exactly. I was the rebel in my house. I was uh-huh. the baby. I was the rebel. I was spoiled. I ran away from home about two or three times um, because of my sexuality. And I used to always fight my sisters, who were literally my sisters were old enough to be my mother. Um, wow. Like my ne- they had nephews my age. So um, I mean, I have nephews my age, and um, like I would fight my sisters. Like we would go blow to blow, and my sisters they were they were big women, honey. <laughs> <laughs> they was like linebackers. Um, this is making me emotional. But that was like my coming out was very, very rough. Oh, no. And then after that, it was like smooth sailing. I was I opened the floodgates for the rest of the gays in my family to come out. Because okay. I, oh, I have okay. two gay nephews. Wow. And that devastated me when they came out to me. I never wanted anybody else in my family to be gay after I came right. out. Right. And not because I was yeah, selfish, but because I didn't want to go through what I went through growing right. up. Right, right. Um, so I'm very protective of like young gay men. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. Um, because of the things they have to go through. Now, and right now, it's a little bit easier it is. Um, to be gay and proud. What's your, what's your hoodie say? Black, educated, and gay? Black, gay, and proud? Something like that? Yeah. Something it's, like that. it's a lot. Mm-hmm. It's easier to do it now. You know, you no can cuss. just... I, I've seen 12-year-old gays in pumps and booty shorts. So, oh, yeah. You know, it's a lot easier to just be who you are and just accept it a little bit more. Right. Because we have it now in TV. Hmm. That's good. What I'm so surprised to hear, like, every, what everyone does... So, what made you get into, like, your field of work? So, for me, so I'm a social worker by training, so um, it was super, super natural to me, kind of, like, intern into the helping profession. So, when I went to college my freshman year, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. I just knew I was at this this big campus. It was a primarily white institution. I felt lost. I felt disconnected. Um, I didn't have, I didn't see many people that looked like me, mm-hmm. skin color wise, or even like gender, sexual race. Like, I just didn't see many people that looked like me. So, like, I really didn't know what I wanted to do or who I wanted to be or where mm-hmm. I was going to go. So, so 
it took a lot of kind of like trial and error just kind of like figuring it, it out. out and i actually had to sit out an entire semester and be able to like actually critically think about what it was that i wanted mm -hmm. to do and if school actually was for me mm -hmm. but after you know sitting out that semester and returning back to school um, i had no choice but to kick ass and i made dean's list every semester up until i graduated got my bachelor's degree went straight on to my master's degree but interned oh she bossing you know, yeah, it was it was necessary. I felt like I had to. I had no mm -hmm. other choice. That was my security. That was my survival for, way for me to be able to make sure that I was okay. Mm -hmm. I felt like my education was the way for me to do it. But, you know, I felt like the helping professions, it was my life. So I've always kind of helped family members with things and stuff like that. And so kind of like entering a profession where I'm like helping people and kind of doing for others and giving back was super, super natural. So, yeah, it was kind of like, like, okay, this is what I'll just do to kind of give back. Now, my question is, in our society, they hmm. say the LGBTQ community mm -hmm. are the ones who presented AIDS oh. to the world, right? Oh, let me... I'm now, child. what is your <laughs> opinion about those who believe that statement? All right, Go let on, me... Let, <clears throat> yes, let me break this down on, to you, okay? Me. So, you know, we got to destroy this narrative. As black, folks, as black folks, we have to destroy this narrative. So, um, people have been having unprotected sex since the beginning of time. Mm -hmm. um, by, uh, it is a, this is not an opinion. This is a fact. Uh, bisexual men are not responsible for giving women HIV. Who is responsible for giving women HIV is the women who didn't have protected sex. Who is responsible for getting HIV is the men or the individuals who don't have protected sex. Mm -hmm. And we are always a society looking to blame someone. Mm -hmm. Well, he did that to me. She did that to me. No. He put a gun to your head. Now, only now if you got a gun put to your head and he tell you something, <laughs> that's something different. <laughs> but... If you do not take responsibility, that's one of the biggest reasons why the incident rates of HIV is still high. And this is a fact. The CDC, we are, uh, uh, Aaron and I are both researchers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is a fact. DL, DL meant the quote, quote unquote term DL does not even exist. And I hate that, you know, black publications have put out that narrative because mm -hmm. most of the DL men I know are very like I gotta use a condom I got a wife mm -hmm. I got a wife I gotta use a condom it, so it, but people do not take responsibility that uh, people have been having unprotected sex for years before HIV and AIDS mm -hmm. they will do so afterwards and it's really about protecting yourself mm -hmm. yeah but I hate that narrative because it's not true Ryan what's your, what's your thoughts on that when repeat the question please why people say you um, gave them AIDS? Who, me? I thought you. I thought you. I thought he'd wake up at that. Point. Oh, oh, uh, wait. <laughs> that's oh, that's not true. God. I've never given my. I always strap up. <laughs> but um, what's my perspective? I mean, every DL guy I've encountered. I mean, they want they'll put a condom when they dig if I'm trying to suck it, and I will just be over it. Like you can go home. I'm not sucking no dick with no condom on it. I'm, I'm sorry. That's just me. So. I, like Antar was saying, so how are they the ones spreading this disease? How are we responsible for that? Yeah. I think I, again, it's, it's about being responsible for yourself. I right. think um, 
when you know better, you do better. Mm-hmm. I think the whole point mm-hmm. that we need to really all bring home is about the educational component. Right. You know, sometimes individuals really do not know. Like, okay, you might say, I want to, you know, give you head, but I want to put a condom on for sex. For right. me, that's backwards. Right. If you ain't going to put a condom on during fellatio, then why are you putting a condom on during sex? I mean, it's a barrier is not going to make any difference. <laughs> right, right. If you're not going to put a condom on the whole way through, why are you doing it just for sex? Right. right. I mean, it's, you, you, people perish for lack of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Right. It's about the educational component. You know better, you do better. I think in the straight community, it's not talked about it as much. Mm-hmm. We not It's not given to us as much. We go to the doctors. They're not giving us condoms. I appreciate what y'all community do because what y'all do for y'all protecting y'all community. Who is y'all? Who, who is y'all? As. Oh, you right. you went you went class. Oh, I didn't know the LGBT so community. So we have to. So I think also the narrative is oh, about. Also, you. we look at trying to target a specific population when it comes to any di- any disease mm. when really when it's just about obtaining the knowledge and i think if we get into more like because white folks got it <laughs> you notice they ain't getting hiv and aids and they own prep we know and they, they, own, they, they, get, the they got the highest, yes they all right know. so let's talk about that part <laughs> yeah now yeah. it's a new drug called prep mm-hmm. yes it ain't new. Yeah, it's, it's been, been out, out since, since what, 2012. 2012. 2012. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 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 Mm-hmm. All right. So the mark, how they marketed, was to the gay community. Yes. Absolutely. Why? Well, that was because when you look at incident rates, it's it's needed in mm-hmm. order to get rid of HIV. You have to um, get rid of the epidemic. You have to start with well, you have to start with gay men. Yeah. And and men who have sex with men are the ones who are. Um, impacted a lot by it. I won't say the most because there are other populations, mm. for example, trans women of color. We don't know exactly what the impact is on this community because we have so little information. Misha. But we do know that the rates mm. are probably worse than they are for MSM. And based off of what we know, MSM have mm. it really bad. When you talk about if, if the patterns continue, one and two black MSM having HIV in their lifetime, 50% like yeah. th- that th- these are my family members these wow. are my friends this, these are my circles so I can't mm-hmm. you can't help but to be a part of this part of, and on the front yeah. lines of doing this work it's the associated wow. risk factors mm-hmm. yeah absolutely cool. wow yeah. yeah do y'all think is do y'all think it's a good drug absolutely yes yes any yeah. preventative drug should yeah. be let me drug. tell you something and I'm going to tell this to any uh, gay man, any black man that's listening to this, you know, who put themselves at risk for, you know, have risky sexual behaviors. You could either take a pill every day that's going to prevent you from getting it, or you will take a pill every day to keep from dying from okay. HIV. Mm. But either way, you're going to take a pill every day. So this is what I tell young, young um, queer folks of color. Take this pill every day. You don't have to like it. You don't have to like it because, you know, people's like, oh, I don't like it. I don't like taking medication. Well, you ain't going to like the doctor telling you you're positive neither. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's true. So, That's true. I take the pill. Yeah. Yeah, I'll I, take the pill too. Yeah, I'm taking the pill too. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I got the 200 bottle. Blue pill or red pill? I'm taking the blue pill. Okay. Exactly. So, I, well, I, what's the red pill? No, oh, I just made the red pill. A cough medicine, a cough drug. The Taj <laughs> Yo, but this young lady supports y'all community very well. She has a new song out called WTP. Yes, this is Tiana Keller. Yes. 
Where oh, work yeah. his pussy on the drop my show. That's cultural appropriation, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs> that was Tiana Teller with WTP, which stands for work this pussy. <laughs> Yo, so are y'all gonna have guests on Outpour? Oh, honey, we have tons. And what type of guests? Trans guests. We have uh, all gay guests, no straight guests. This is an all gay show. Uh, of color. Of color. Let's make that yeah, clear. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Until we start getting our footing, we it will be only be LGBT um, folks of color. And was that an executive decision? Yes. 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 Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, we have, you know, it's a lot of successful black. Uh, LGBT folks. I, I mean, sometimes I'm usually shocked at um, the level of expertise behind the scenes that <laughs> like um, we're going to be interviewing the guy who interview, who coordinated the Legends Ball, Patrick, um, Patrick Williams. Um, mm-hmm. We interviewed uh, Emil Wilbeckin last Sunday, um, Charles Anthony, the gospel singer. Um, we Oh, he's gay? Bill Wilson. Yep, Phil Wilson. Wow, um, Mother Bl- yeah. Okay. Um, these are individuals. I mean, I mean, Emil Wilbeckin was the editor in chief of Vibe magazine. magazine for how long? Uh, how long you say? For a long time. For a long yeah, time. For, for a yeah. I mean, and I mean, the, the wealth of knowledge. And they every time we interview somebody, like it's just weird just being in a space with someone who had a dream, and it fell through like they did everything that they could do to make their dream happen and they're successful at it i think that is a it says a lot and i think it brings up the morale of all of us too. right so tony being in the church mm-hmm. come on come on pastor so being in the church yes sir being gay in church right mm-hmm. What's the misconception of being gay in church? Catch the show for that. Catch the show. We got a whole show on that too. A whole episode on this. I think um, briefly, I think the misconception is in the church is, you know, that you do too much, that you are too much. Now, granted, I am a bit much with everything I do personally, um, but remember, every person in the church has a place, mm. a position, for a purpose, mm-hmm. a place, a position, and for a purpose. Look at the people who direct your choirs, the people who are adjutants to the leaders of the church mm-hmm. at your beck and call, mm-hmm. the decorations, mm-hmm. the events. Mm-hmm. Some of these are by the best gay people in the church. The Oregon players, too. Yes, also. <laughs> let me just, on now. <laughs> and let me just be very clear. I always say, I have a saying, if I want to find a good Black gay man, I'm going to the black church. Oh God, experience that. Because if you want to find, that. I mean, sometimes, I mean, if you ever go to a gospel convention, that's like going to a club. You know, I'm going to disagree with you on that answer because <laughs> me too. No wow. matter whether, whether you meet the man, hold on, let me wow. Get okay. Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, that, there, listen, there's some good I, gay the, men in the church. It's good cooch everywhere. It ain't always I'm a choice. Okay. Well, at, least, at least it Thank saved you. Cooch. It saved Cooch. Okay. So, it ain't it ain't saved. in the bedroom. No, that's the real. Because yeah, this is a, like how to get on the show. A little church boy hit me up the other day, and I was like, you know, I just, you know, I don't do social media hitting people. He just got on my live child. <laughs> 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 um, uh, uh, somebody hit me up the other day. <laughs> I need the camera off of me real quick. Um, and he was saying that you know he was a freak. 
I said, well, you know, you're a little church boy. He said, well, yeah, honey, all church boys ain't so hold, which is, uh, save, save, hope to fight with the Holy Ghost. Save, Ghana. take the with the Holy uh, Ghost. All that shit. So, <laughs> if you want to, let's be real, if you want to find a good fuck, you go to the church. Yes. Oh, my God. Because they got to repent. They got all that sexual yeah. energy in them, honey. They done. They done been. They done, they done been chastised all day for twelve hours mm-hmm. on a Sunday morning service. So Ooh, now they want to get their back blown out because they feel they feel fucked up because pastor done made them feel bad in church. Man. Yeah, that's true. So now you want some good dicking at the service. Yeah. But let's be clear, there are some affirming churches out there. Today. Oh no, let's I, be I clear. I all right, let's this. go. Let's say this. What do you say to the people in church who condemn being gay? You know, I, go ahead, I think the whole the the biggest uh, component or the misconception is that gay is the highest sin. This is like the grand pumbaa of all sins. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's like okay, when you gay, you done, you done hit the rock bottom of eternal sin. But okay, you're an adulterer, you're a cheater, you're a liar, you're a thief. Oh, uh, you eat certain food, you wear certain clothing, certain materials. But when we hear about being gay, it's like that's the sin of all sin. Mm-hmm. Why? A sin is a sin. A sin is a sin. A sin is a sin. Mm-hmm. No matter what what you do. But I don't think it's a sin. So I I don't. Okay. I don't. I don't affirm that. I don't. I just I just can't. Because it. I don't know. And I, that's why you know I have even growing up I had issues with myself mm-hmm. as a person. Like, is this right? Is, is this wrong? I surely God is love. Right. I can't feel comfortable with myself sometimes if I'm always being taught. That being gay is wrong. Yeah, but and also, so- let's just be very clear too. You know that Bible, that same Bible that they use, you know, talk about homophobia, is also the same Bible that they use for years to justify slavery, the Reconstruction <laughs> period, Jim, Jim Crow, Crow, and lynchings. So, be black folks try to sell that Bible bullshit mm. to me, but I don't go for but it. But I'm about to get real philosophical. Mm-hmm. But the black man celebrates the Bible because that's what they were. They were stripped away from everything else. So we only being, you know, we're, we're holding on to these fucking ideals that were given to us by people who kidnapped us from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So it's just like I, I, I just really, I can't be in a space again where I'm not affirmed, where I'm not celebrated for being who I am, for I'm not where I'm not appreciated. You focus on me being gay, but what about everything else that comes along with me, me as a human being? Yeah. Before anybody in the street sees me as a gay man, they see me as a black man first. Absolutely. Right. You know what I'm saying? Regardless of how tight my jeans are or how good my beard look. I'm a black man first. They don't see the gay. Right. So when I walk in the street, I'm not getting body slammed by police for being gay. I'm getting body slammed for being black. For oh, black. Come, on. Oh, come on now. You know what I'm saying? So if you're <laughs> well, well, my sexuality well. to define my character, you got me fucked up. Right. Because please believe these hands are straight. <laughs> ah! I know that's come right. On. And I did six years in jail. So I Come know. on here. <laughs> six years in jail? Mm-hmm. But you heard 12 years of slave, six years of jail. Oh, okay. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. That, yeah. All right. That's how it is on the show. Too. Yeah. This is Tiger Future Offset called Taste on the Drop Night Show. What's up, everybody? It's your girl, Kay Wonder from the Drop Night Show, and I have my co-host with me, Sean Beasley. And we're about to pay these bills. And first up, we have the New Stand Association of Philadelphia. Yes, they definitely hold us down where they do repeats of all of the podcasts on all of their newsstands throughout the city. Second, we have Samsung Technology. They supply all the equipment that you hear and see us on. So shout out to Samsung. And last but not least, we have Boom Philly. 
Boom 103.9 to be exact, and they hold us down. Go to their website and check out waterice.com exclusive. Now back to the show. It's the drop. Yo, we back on the drop night show. That was Tiger featuring Offset Taste on the drop night show. Mm. Now, what's a fun fact about... Let's go to Tony. Mm. What's a fun fact? Um, I don't. There, not a lot of people know that I make pickles. Who Wait, homemade pickles? Why did I not know this? Why did I not know this? I make homemade pickles. You make all three kinds because I, I, I had one of my kids make them in placement when I was working in placement. I make spicy, what is that? A pickle, like a crunch a pickle. crunch that go in your sandwich, like oh, a Velasquez. Yes, I make spicy, sweet, and traditional dill. Oh, bitch! I need a container. Yeah, <laughs> I did not. Like there's some Ugh, I, I eat pickles every day. That's a fun fact about me. That's why. That's why. Uh, and what's a fun home? fact about? <laughs> now, what's a fun fact about you, Robert? I'm a single dad. Yes, How many kids daddy, you have? Daddy, I, I have daddy. One, one six year old. Okay. I mean, daughter, I think everybody son. Knows that though. Daughter, son. I have a son. Okay. He's adorable as well. We Aaron, what's a fun fact? <laughs> fun fact. Fun fact. Um, I've been out of the country to Haiti. I studied abroad in Haiti. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you yeah. smart! Yeah. You smart! I can't follow that. I like wrestling. That's my fun fact. What? I'm a nerd. I'm a nerd for wrestling. That's all it is. I like Hulk Hogan. I like Andre the Giant, Macho Man, all of that. I got all the toys in my basement. I can sell them and make about a hundred thousand dollars right now if I wanted to. But well, sell that shit. Real life childish. Yeah. Right. Yeah, <laughs> What's the fun fact about you, Antoine? So one of the fun facts about me, and I think people will find out about the show, is that I am like um, a fem top. I am like a black. I am a black. It's a little black woman in me. From um, so, I'm. It's just a little like I love everything feminine. I really do. I, I can't help it. And I've started to really, like, before I used to hide it, but now I'm an old lady now, so I can't hide this shit no more. I was like, I just love everything feminine, like pinks, purples, purples crop tops, crop tops but I don't like to necessarily be the bottom, so that kind of messes guys up a little bit because hmm. guys are attracted to me but they think I'm a bottom which is nothing wrong with being a bottom I love bottoms but I'm not a bottom <laughs> so that becomes like it's like you got this feminine big big well relatively big guy you know works out mm-hmm. but I'm very feminine and I love being feminine so that's my fun secret what? so when you see me on Jack and right. I'm giving if you see me on Jack and I'm being masculine just know it's an tell ass. them how long they got when 10 they minutes they got 10 minutes they got 10 minutes of masculinity and then I'm done then I'm then grandmom's coming out Medea's now, coming out now you said honey. you was in prison for 6 years Ooh. oh yeah uh-huh. how was that being gay in prison oh my goodness oh uh, was you gay in prison oh I was I was definitely gay in prison honey it's some of the best sex I had in my life um it was in prison I can honestly say that, um, you know, that it's something about cat, captivity sex. Mm, mm, okay. I don't know. <laughs> they want to break free. You it's said something, something the best sex? Yes. Yeah. It's something about being I've captive, honey, and having sex. It just, it heightened the men's up, honey. Aren't you? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't consider those men gay, but I mean, I just feel like they were just, they yearned for affection. The and, time? you know, um, why don't you consider them gay? Have you ever, so if you ever read the book uh, called, um, uh, makes me want to holler by oh god who's that author makes me want to holler I can't remember his name but he talks about he also uh, did 
uh, some prison time. And he talks mm. about men who have sex in prison. And he calls it the mirage uh, mm. framework where, you know, men forget that they need affection. Mm. But when you're in prison, you remember that. So, you know, if you see a feminine guy, if you see a trans woman in prison, you're like, that's the closest thing I can get to a woman, mm. so I'll take it. It's kind of like if you're really hungry, you know, all I got is marshmallows, but you really want a cheesesteak, but if it's marshmallows there, I'm going to eat the marshmallows because I'm still really hungry. You mm. see what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I, that's why I don't consider them gay. Wow. All right. Wow. I do, but hey. Why do you do? If you put your dick in a man's butt, you're gay. No, no, honey. (laughs) If you can beat your dick, that's fine. There are plenty of gay for pay. And it's plenty of gay um, straight men who won't even look at another man. No matter what the circumstances are. But I won't look. If you lock me in a in a in a jail with full of women, I will beat my dick every day. <laughs> I'm not touching <laughs> no, no fish. You that's just me. But yeah, I mean, that's, this is about fluidity. I mean, that's no. Something, but I mean, I don't know. I just feel like most most men I have met in prison um, have had sexual encounters, especially if the man has anywhere over five years. I mean, I could wow. kind of. I feel like wow. a man who can do, you know, maybe two years. Um, and I was locked up with Ti, honey. Yes. Ooh, did you get some T.I. dick? No, child. He was only there for six months. Oh, child. Um, that's been that time. <laughs> now, yeah, I saw him all the time. <laughs> T.I. was amazing. He, but he loved, he was so nice to gay. He, I mean, he was nice. He, he was very, very nice. He was kind. Um, but the the interesting thing about being in, just being in prison with long term is, you know, those men, they have urges. They so. have, every man has needs. Yes, child. child. And at the end of the day, I had one inmate told me a mouth is a mouth. It don't matter if it's a female mouth or a man's I mouth. I heard that before. A mouth is I, a mouth. I think I heard that and last week. And male's jaws is a little tighter, too. Okay, you know, you're strong. Fuck stronger. <laughs> I heard that same theory last week, I think. Uh, I'm not <laughs> See, I think it's a big difference between... I think I think being gay means you're attracted to the same sex. Right. Mm. Not you're attracted to where you put your dick at. Oh. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? In prison, guys, you're you're a victim of circumstance. Yeah. And all you have if you need to bust a nut and your hand ain't doing no more, you're mm-hmm. gonna grab that motherfucking uh yeah. Frisco grease out the motherfucking the kitchen <laughs> and a rubber glove and you're gonna fuck some shit up. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I don't think like, and then once he's back on the street, he's back to just dealing with. How yeah, because when I met the men's on the street, they didn't want to. They wasn't trying to build no life like, with nah, me. Bro, life is life. Is I was, but different. they was like, no, that was in prison. What's in prison stays in prison. I don't believe mm-hmm. that. No, I, 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 I do believe that to be true. Mm-hmm. And they even like if you watch Luke Cage on Netflix, they tap into prison lifestyle in one of the episodes where the black guy was fucking the Puerto Rican guy who was his best friend on the street. In prison, and he ended up falling in love with him. And the Puerto Rican said, "No, nah, bro, that was just for prison. Mm-hmm. I'm in the streets. I'm not like that." Yeah, when you're in prison, it's, no. it's a totally different. Yeah. I'm with Brahim. If you're gonna stick your penis anywhere <laughs> in my my rectum, my ass, or anything like that, you have made a mutual how'd agreement you get that hard? you're gay. Like, how'd you get no, hard? no, no, because no. well, that depends what you define as being gay. So I knew I was gay way before I had sex with a man. You know, I knew I was gay before I had sex with a How man. How was it a feeling? Just like most people, like was people, it a feeling or it was? No, you just know, like you know that there was something different. Like you don't need to have sex. I always say, if this, if the whole bottom half of my body was cut off, I'd still be gay because it's here. Exactly, it's a mental. So thing. it's here, okay. and you know, trust mm. me, I know a lot of gay people who spend their whole lives trying to be straight. The shit don't work. <laughs> yeah. If it works, you got some in the church. <laughs> we fall down for we get some in the church. Okay, bitch. Okay, you got some in the church who trying to be straight for the Lord, and it just ain't working out. Yes, Bishop Eddie Long. 
Okay. <laughs> okay. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it's, it's it's in the mind. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like that's you cannot change your mentality. Just how yeah. being trans is not about how you want to be at the end of the day. It's about it's in your mind. It's who you feel comfortable as when you wake up in the morning. Right. You know what I'm saying? I feel more comfortable sleeping with men. Have I fucked a couple girls? Yes, I have. Then they got a few pregnant, clearly. Yeah, You know clearly. what I'm saying? Oh, but, I don't know nothing about that. But y'all, we know you don't like no fish, <laughs> no tilapia, no salmon, no trout, no rainbow. <laughs> you know, we know fish is not your thing. But it's just, you know, when I wake up in the morning, I don't think about, you know, I'm going to go downstairs to my wife. I'm looking for my, mother, my motherfucking husband. Right. You know what I'm saying? When a when a guy in prison wakes up in the morning, he's not when when he gets out of prison, he's not looking for the nigga he was fucking in cell block C. But sometimes it does happen that way. No. That but, you don't have some good Brahim or no, it's, some it's, good it's Antar, not, some good Rob, and it's like, damn, where is Brahim, Antar, and Rob? Now I need to find them because honestly, shit was good. I don't found, think yeah, I don't they think me. I don't think it's a conversion <laughs> process in prison. I think if if it opens up Pandora's box. That was always there. You suppressed it for mm, society. Okay, okay. You know what I'm saying? You don't wake up one morning and get some get some ass like, oh nigga, I'm gay. Mm-hmm. I want some, I want some dick now. No, that's always been there. Right. You know you what I'm saying? On yeah. yeah. Okay. I have to disagree. I have a family member that's over 50 years old and he was turned out about five years ago and now he can't stop messing with men. That's what I'm saying. It was sure. always there. He has 10 kids. Okay, and he's never had he's 50. <laughs> I hope oh. he doesn't watch the show. But, he's um, 50? Honey, you just said you have a gay grandpa. Oh, he, he's, he's out. Yeah, but you have a... At listen, 86. You have a gay grandpa. Yeah. So what makes you think your gay grandfather couldn't have another child who had 10 kids and not be gay? He had three of them. Okay, exactly. <laughs> but... Um, that shit was always This, this one is he's DL, so I'm sorry. Yeah, he did a DL. Who's DL? The 50 year old? I like to use the term DL that's not in favor with the community. But what I'm saying is he was turned, he never had, he never was attracted to men until he just slipped up. A guy sucked you his dick. You don't just slip up better. in attraction, honey. You do when you're drunk. You <laughs> no, bitch, that was, honey. He oh, I've been drunk and right. that's never happened. Liquid happen. courage yeah. brings out the best thing you. Okay. But. Okay. <laughs> I done did many things I am proud of on some liquor. The, yeah. Next question. So what is so <laughs> when they put the P in penis. that was that is not going in the acronym. Why what people acronym? thought that was so offensive? What the letter P? Q I A P. That's what, what he's going at. What's, what's P? What's so P? is for pedophile. Right. Oh, oh, hell, hell no. Listen, 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 Let me tell you. That's bullshit. a white man shit. Yeah. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you this right they, now. They, they're calling it a But that's what they... But, no. that's but that's what they that's wanted to do. That's shit right there. Because let me tell you something. Why Just like... Because all these white men is going to jail for this shit. Going to jail for this pedophilia shit. So they're trying to figure out a way to get them out of jail. I know that's what it is. Legitimize it. Legitimize it. Don't put that shit on us. Don't put that. Don't put that shit on, on the, gay, you, the gay folks. When you, when you think about it, America, with society as a whole, <laughs> where they've always looked at gays as freaks of nature. Uh-huh. We're not normal. We don't. Mm. We don't function like normal. There's something wrong with us. But when you get a white man, you know, and you say, "Oh, well, you know, let's just put him in the diaspora of being LGBTQ, yeah. and let's make him a. Let's, we're not going to call him a pedophile. That's offense. We're going to call him a pedosexual. He likes to fuck kids. No, we're going to make it okay. No, you're not. No. But let's be clear. If it was a right. black, it, just it was like black. in the media. If it's black, when, when a white man shoots up a school, he's mentally unstable. When a black man mm-hmm. and he get out alive, shoot somebody else, he's a thug. Yeah. It's all about labeling. So they want to normalize things with white people, but criminalize things with blacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, when I heard that shit, I was just like, what? 
in the hell? Like, I, 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 yeah, I want a man. I don't want. I don't want little boys. I don't want little boys. Um, and I just feel like that is just. It's just what. It's just another way to try to legitimize. Uh, Ruthless behavior by white folks. That's why you see, you know, let's, it's, let's it's crack a, a crack, it was a crack epidemic in the eighties, but now it's an opioid epidemic. Oh yeah, now. Right, right. But they ain't gonna talk right. about that. They ain't gonna well, talk about call, that. Let's, let's call it what it is. It's sexually deviant. Yeah, go ahead. Yes. All right. So like months ago, I read this article that was saying something about uh, brothers and sisters that were raped by their parents. Who wants to tackle this one? Because I can go all day. All you mean incest? Incest. Yeah. Incest within the LGBT community. So there's everything disgusting. She's not saying within the LGBT community, but making it a part of the diaspora. So I don't think you can... Having sex with your brother or your sister... That's nasty. No, no. Not only is it nasty, but it doesn't qualify you to be queer. Yeah. <laughs> or gay okay. or lesbian or yeah. trans yeah. or intersex or asexual you are a heterosexual person who likes to fuck your brother or your sister <laughs> which is this is a, has a whole nother issue to it i think like whenever because if you think being lgbtq is a mental health disorder then you want to put other mental health disorders right, exactly. with it with it so that also lets me know what framework you're working from exactly. yeah because so, you know no one would i mean what if Let's say, what if a pedophile wanted to date little girls? Does that now make him a heterosexual pedophile? So should he, you know, yeah, you know, what, you, know you you have to think of it from that framework. It's always, you know, in our society, we're always looking at things from power and privilege, right? You know, and it, that's just the privilege trying to, you know, invoke there, invoke more privilege, like trying to put it on us. No, I'm not going for it. Yeah, hell no. Hell no! <laughs> but on the other side of things, we want to get in this Throwback Thursday. Young Jeezy, Kanye West, I put on, and definitely the Drop Night Show put on for the yes. city. Let's go! Yes, y'all finally playing something I know because I ain't know none of this other songs. Yeah, we're back. This is your man Sean Beasley, my co-host K Wonder. She's out there looking for a venue for her wedding. Shout out to K Wonder. That was Young okay. Jeezy featuring Kanye West, Mr. West. I put on for my city, but let's wrap this up. But before we wrap it up, Raheem has a very <laughs> interesting he story. Played, he played with me. So, in school, <laughs> your teacher did what? Oh my gosh, my teacher <laughs> tried to have sex with me when I was twelve years old. He was—he was my algebra teacher. So, what school? I'm not saying a school. Black or white. It was a, a a very it was one of the top five schools in the city actually, but um public yeah public school and this was the top algebra <laughs> class in the school but he would ask me questions to try to see where my head was at like uh he say a number equals seven is your dick seven inches uh how often do you what ejaculate ejaculate a day. Just shit like that. He was and he was sure. a teacher? He was a teacher. He was, oh I got God. an A plus, but regardless that. Because he wanted to suck your dick, bitch. Yeah, yeah. At 12 years old? Yeah, he never touched me. What school? I can't say the school right now. Was I'll tell you black or white. Is he still teaching? He was white. No, he retired. And, and you know what? God mm-hmm. bless. See, that's that, that was pig. 20 years ago. Pig. 20 years ago. And that's why individuals like that give it a hard time for mental health professionals, mm. black educated teachers, mm. black educated professionals overall mm. because of shit like, excuse me, because of stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I don't, but, I, but the teacher was white. That's acceptable. 
quote unquote black white you still give a hard time for being a though. male in the education in the classroom yeah when you're a male in the education like, department that's why overall. I don't teach yeah. yeah, but I've had that even when I was a professor at Lincoln. Students accusing me of uh, coming on to them. Don't say my yes. alma mater. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have. No, you're not gonna say. And that. I, but I got with them because I'm not. They know I'm. That not was the next. worst. But it's HBCU? different for me because yeah, but it was you it, were young. For you me, this is what my mom. I didn't want to tell her what was going on, so she would say, "Well, you got to go to his house, and you gotta you gotta get an A because once you go to high school." So what he would do is, when I go to his house, he would say, "Get comfortable, get in your underwear, and we're gonna just get comfortable." Because I you went, went to his house. I was sent to his house. Oh my god! Why in the world? Yeah, like I was sent to his house. He didn't touch me or anything, but I was sent there. I was in. I was. Your mom sent you to his house. Sending any? She didn't know. What's his name? Oh, this is that movie Doubt. Oh hell! I was sitting in my underwear in his living room, and he was. Yeah, it was it was it was a big thing. I didn't tell my mom until I got to high school. No, that's not cool at all. That's not cool. That's not cool. Yeah. Like, but you should watch the movie. And you know how many kids he probably did that to? Yeah, and they all paid. They're not all I, I, I know I know because you ain't tell. He did this for two more years afterwards. That's not funny, but yeah. I get what you're saying. That's, you should that's, yeah. So let's wrap this up. I, I want y'all to give your see. social media again, tell our audience when the show is coming. All that good stuff. It will be premiering on YouTube August 24th um, in the morning through the PGN and Advocate Magazine. Um, my handle is Antar Bush MSWMPH um, at, uh, on Instagram. I'm not used to this child. This is for the millennials. Y'all going. I'm like, what? What yeah, you saying? <laughs> Nobody don't follow me any goddamn That way. was actually his entire Instagram name. Antra Bush MSW MPH. That's what? the full. That's because I have two masters. Oh, come on. Ooh. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Oh, Brahim at B R Y the Getaway H E I M fifty three point six. Am I at? I don't know. Um, Why y'all handle so long? No, that's not my handle. That's my name, Brahim. On and Instagram. how many followers he has? Fifty three point six k. So catch me. Uh-huh. I'll be posting this <laughs> in my stories on my page. My wonderful co-stars, I should call you. Mm-hmm. Co-host. Co-host. Come here. Okay. Um. So it's your girl Erin Imani. My social media is. Uh, at Imani Cash, so E M A N I Cash with a K K A S. Simple, simple. Yeah, super simple. If you forget this, we're gonna have a problem. <laughs> My Instagram name is Black Bearded Jesus. Simple. And if you simple. see me, you'll know why. I'm also like the ultimate sex symbol when it comes to the cast members. So yeah, and I'm the daddy <laughs> of the group. <laughs> <laughs> um. As I said before, my name is Tony Purnell. I am the light worker out of the Outpour cast. You can find me on Facebook as Tony Purnell, on Instagram, Tony Purnell Lightworker, and uh, Twitter, Tony Lightworker. That's good. Well, I appreciate. Go ahead. You sure? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I want to thank Brahim. Thank you. Uh, Aaron, Robert. Tony and Antar for coming to the drive show. Thank you. Thank you for having us. us. No problem. We appreciate it. We appreciate it. Make sure you catch us next week, Thursday at 8 p.m. the same time on the Drop Night Show. And my co-host K Wonder She will be back. And we have a special guest coming to the studio. And I will not tell you who. It's the Drop Night Show.